Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. I am so blessed to be with you again. I haven't preached here in a number of months, and I have to tell you, I am so excited about what God has laid on my heart that I want to share with you, the people that I love so much. And since I haven't preached here in a long time, I'm going to go three hours to make up for all the Sundays I missed. No, I'm, I'm teasing you on that. But I do have a message that I thought would be helpful for all of us. So I've been spending about a, maybe two months working on this thing, and so it's been percolating within me and incubating. In fact, I've been so passionate about it, I was meeting with a group of guys that are leaders in the church on Thursday mornings, which we often do, and we share things about the Word and helping other people and praying, and so we kicked around the idea about our topic today on wisdom and really how to be wiser in the new year, so I have to thank the Lord for those guys in my life to that share their insights with me, and I kind of sifted that together with the Lord, and I trust it will really add value to your life as well, because I think all of us would admit that we really could have more wisdom, couldn't we? I often was thinking about if uh, people on the street were asked today, if you could ask for one thing and one thing in your life for this next year, what would it be that you would like to have? And I think some people might say, I'd like to get out of debt. Others might say, I'd like to have um, my relationships that are broken, healed. I would like to perhaps have more comfort in my life or a whole lot of other things they'd like in their life. And really, none of those things are bad, are they? Who wants to get out of debt? I want to get out of debt too, and you want to get out of debt. We want to have great relationships with other people. Sure we do. But I think there's one guy, when he was asked that question, what would you want out of your life? What what can I give to you that you would want? He gave a different answer. He didn't say, I wanted to have more power or more prestige or more position in life. He said, hey, just give me wisdom. You see, it was God who was asking Solomon, what would you like to have? You see, Solomon, you're the son of uh, the greatest king that Israel had ever known. You're the son of, at that time, one of the wealthiest men on planet Earth. You're the son of the greatest warrior on Earth. In fact, you're the son of the man who had his heart turned toward me. So now, what would you want? Well, if you had that as your heritage and legacy, what would you ask for? And Solomon asked for the right thing. He said, you know what, God, I'd like to have wisdom. Well, the Lord was really good to him because he not only gave him the wisdom, but he also gave him wealth in his life. Well, today's message is about getting wisdom, and I can't guarantee that you're going to get wealth, but I can tell you that when you have wisdom, there's a certain commodity that you have that is so rich in your life that wealth does not come to the top of your list as much as it has maybe uh, today. So I want to talk a little bit more about wisdom and how to get it and why it's important and I hope it'll be a blessing to you. If you have with you the notes in your worship folder, you might want to jot some down. There's going to be a lot more said than what is in that, but it'll give you something to follow along or to jot some notes on or doodle or put your shopping list on or whatever else you like to do with it. But it'll be there to really help you, and I pray that it's a real blessing. So let me tell you a little bit about where we're going to go today. We have to answer the question, what is wisdom? That's important. Then we have to say, okay, if that's what wisdom is, why is it so important that I have it in my life? And then where will I find this wisdom? If wisdom is important, I know I can ask God. He says he'll give it to me, but where can I find wisdom? And then finally, how do I get it? I know where to find it now, but now how do I get it? And it's that last point that we're going to spend the majority of our time on today because I want to leave you with something that you can actually put into your life right today that will do more than just inform you, more than just inspire you, but prayerfully it will transform your life. So we want to talk a little bit more about how to be wiser in the new year. 
and we want to talk about, you know, what is wisdom and what does it really mean? So let me give you a working definition of it, and you might want to write this down. You might want to put it somewhere, put it on your refrigerator, put it in your computer, share it with your kids, maybe get them to memorize it. And here it is. It's a working definition of it, but I think it'll tell you a little bit more about what wisdom is in contrast to knowledge. Wisdom is seeing things or life from God's viewpoint and then putting them into my everyday life. It is seeing things or my life from God's viewpoint and then putting these principles into my everyday life. Now, that's what wisdom is. But now I know that listening to me today is going to be some of you that are the deep divers, we'll call, the ones that want to, what does the Hebrew have to say? What does the Greek have to say? Well, let me take you for just a moment and listen how they've opened up the Hebrew word. And the Hebrew word is hacham. you got to kind of say it with phlegm in your throat. Hacham, you know? Well, however you want to pronounce it, in the Hebrew, and you'll have to understand, this was written, Proverbs, by Solomon in the Jewish writings in Hebrew. And so here's what that Hebrew word means, but you're going to have to listen because when they take the word, when they're doing a translation, it's not just the word. They take that word and they run it through the grid of Scripture every time that word is found, and then from wherever it's found, they're developing a clear definition of it. That's how they do it with the Greek, too. So it's not just one word. It's a whole combination of it. But here's what that word wisdom means in the Old Testament and equally transferred into the New Testament. Here's what wisdom means from the original language. It means this, and by the way, it's coming from the theological workbook of the Old Testament um, scriptures. Here it is. Listen carefully. It's the essential idea that represents a manner of thinking and attitude concerning life's experiences, including matters of general interest and basic morality. These concerns relate to prudence in secular affairs, skills in the arts, moral sensitivity, and, and I like this last part, experience in the ways of the Lord. Now, did you get all that down? You probably didn't, but at least you got the concept of it. It's really having an understanding of life from God's perspective, understanding the experience of the ways of the Lord, and then we'll add a little bit. It's not just knowing that, that's knowledge. Wisdom is knowing it and applying it. You see, there is a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. There are people today that can acquire a lot of knowledge, and you can understand that. They may go off to school, they may get a degree, multiple degrees, and, and I'm not putting down knowledge. Knowledge is great. But how many times have we known people that had a great deal of knowledge about things in life, but in reality, they still were foolish in the decisions that they made. They went in directions that today they're living the consequences of it rather than the benefits of it. But the people who are wise, they might not have a whole lot of knowledge, but the knowledge they have would be on the right topics, and they've chosen to apply it to their life. And that's wise people. That's being like a wise guy for God. And that's what we want to do today. Nothing wrong with knowledge, but making sure that the knowledge that we have really comes from the Lord. Now, let me give you a, a very simplified understanding of this. On one side, you're going to have the wisdom of man. And the other side of this, we're going to talk about the wisdom of God. Now, let's talk a moment about the wisdom of man. The wisdom of man can be a man who's unsaved, a woman who's unsaved. It could be a Christian. It could be a person who is knowing that they have trusted Christ as Savior, but have not fully surrendered to the Lord in their life on a consistent basis with the Lord. They're not really allowing the Lord to live his life out through them. So they could also have what we call the wisdom of man. The wisdom of God is different. Let me describe for you from Scripture how God describes the wisdom of man, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. 
if you are now embracing the wisdom of man, this is what it would look like. Three passages of Scripture, just listen. The first one is, they are known as being truly ignorant of God. You might have trusted Christ as Savior, as we perhaps all have here. But at the same time, we've chosen not to really know the book, to know the Lord, so we are ignorant of God. Here's what it says. It says, the world, through its wisdom, did not come to know God. Now, most of you who may listen to late-night television or you're all over the Internet and you're going to see people pontificate about God, they don't know God. It's because by their wisdom, they've chosen to define or refine their God and now say that that's who it is, apart from Scripture or apart from the correct interpretation of Scripture. So they're ignorant of God. Another way would be they're foolish. In 1 Corinthians 3.19, it says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. To me, I see that more as a warning, which means that what I'm looking at the values, what we might call the secular worldview, I must already see that it's toxic, that it's in a particular condition, that I need to be very careful of that wisdom, that philosophy of the world, because it is contrary to God, and should I follow it, no matter how reasonable it might sound, it can actually take me down a road of destruction sooner or later, but most definite. All right, then you have what we call the worldly, selfish, demonic description of the wisdom of man. Let me read this to you. It's very clear. James 3.15, it says, This wisdom, which is of man, is not that which comes down from above, which is from God, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. Let me say that again. It's earthly, natural, and demonic. So let me put it in another term, which is all throughout Scripture. They would define the wisdom of man this way, that it is of the world system, it is of our natural flesh, which we know is like our heart, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, but it is also run by a superpower in the dark world known as Satan and his minions. And so all of that is coming together in one gigantic negative cocktail against who God is. So when we have that going at us, that's the wisdom of man. Now I'm going to just take one verse to keep it simple for us and describe for you the wisdom of God. This is the wisdom that we want to have today. This is the wisdom that we want to have as we go into the new year so we can be wiser next year than we are this year. One verse. It's found in James chapter 3, 18, and it goes like this. And I'm going to count seven descriptions in one verse. It's like a vitamin tablet, a multi-tablet, multivitamin tablet on God's wisdom. It goes like this. But the wisdom from above is first, so it begins with a foundation. Here it is. It's first pure. I like that. You can count on God's word as being pure. Now think with me for just a moment. Isn't there a great push today that we would have pure air, pure water? How many of you have a water filter in your house? How many of you drink from a bottle that you might think has pure water in it? You would want to have that, wouldn't you? How many of you would like to have a tainted medicine that would be given to you as an injection, not knowing that it was purified and hygienically clean for you. While we so much are careful about this life, do we realize that the only thing that we can count on as being pure is the wisdom of God. So it says, the wisdom of God is first pure, which that means I can really trust what God has to say to me, particularly through his book called the Bible. So that's number one. Then it's peaceable, which means God's wisdom will provide an inner peace And if we follow it often, it'll give us a social or relational peace with others. Number three, it's gentle. Number four, it's reasonable, at least for people who have their heart turned toward the Lord. 
It's full of mercy, which is very important. When we have the wisdom of God, then we look at things that are done against us that are injustices that perhaps we would want to really rail against. But maybe at that time, because we have the wisdom of God, we know that the better part of valor is to demonstrate mercy. Then it says, number uh, five, it says, uh, six rather, good fruits. Then it says, unwavering, finally, without hypocrisy. That's the definition of wisdom from God's word of the wisdom of God and how important that it is. Well, let's come up for air just a little bit. A moment ago, I told you that there was a fellow in the Bible by the name of Solomon, and he asked or gave the answer that I would like to have wisdom. I would hope that each one of us would get on Solomon's page and say, you know what, that would be the greatest thing I could ask God for would be wisdom. In the same book of James that described man's wisdom and God's wisdom, says that if we ask God for wisdom, he will grant it to us. If we believe that he will, then we have it. And I'm going to tell you, that's a great thing. But let me go back to Solomon for a moment. Solomon was also one who wrote a book in the Bible. The particular book we're focusing on is the book of Proverbs. Proverbs are pithy statements that are really from the mind and heart of God to us today. But back when it was written, it was actually given to Solomon to then put in print. And when he wrote this down, he really started by speaking it. The real question is, is who was his, who was his audience? Who did he really write this to? Who did he really say this to? Who did he really, with great passion and pathos, say, hey, I want you to have wisdom? If you read in the context of the book of Proverbs, you're going to find that the audience was an audience primarily of one. And it comes in two words. It's the word, my son. In other words, here was a dad who asked God for wisdom. God gave him wisdom. And in one particular book of the Bible, although the whole Bible is full of wisdom, these are wisdom principles that he said, I want my son to have these. Now, how much powerful they would have been had Solomon lived out those principles in his own life consistently. But regardless of that, the idea was that he had wisdom. He wanted to impart it to his son. Now, God in his great wisdom says, okay, he was giving that to his son, but I wanted that by extension to go all the way through history. And let's pause for a moment to this very room, to each one of you that are listening to this message today, that way back then God had you in mind because he knew your future for the new year. And he says, I want you to have a wiser year next year than this year. And so I am now bringing a message to you, he says, that you can be wiser if we just listen to what I gave to Solomon, who became the wisest man that ever lived, to give to his own son. So we have right here before us a real wisdom book. So whether you have one of these leather Bibles that are so nice, maybe have a little gold edging on it, and you can flip it through and carry it wherever you'd like, or whether you have one of these uh, more fancy uh, Bibles we might call, which might be your tablet or your, or your, your phone, I would like you to get them out, if you will do, for just a moment. Get, get out your Bibles, whatever it might be. The advantage of having one of these tablets or in your phone is that you could have literally hundreds of translations of the Bible, although some are definitely going to be more accurate and better than others, but you could have many so you can compare. Or sometimes just carrying around one Bible, or if you have a special Bible that might have a comparison, couple Bibles in one Bible, you can do that. But I want to assure you that God has preserved his word for today, that we could know that it's God's mind, heart, and mouth, his voice on paper to us. So God has given us the place for us to get this kind of wisdom. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. I just wanted you to know what wisdom really is and how important that is. Now let me talk about why is it important for us to hear this message. So let me step back for a moment. When I was chatting with the leaders on that Thursday morning for breakfast, 
I really was around a table of a bunch of really true, wise guys. These guys, the best that I can tell, have all trusted Christ. Number two, they have all surrendered to his lordship, not to stay saved, but because they are, and they wanted to say, Lord, thank you for what you've done in my life. Men who were men of the book, so they really wanted to give me input and ideas from the Bible. All that being said, you might say, well, then why are you going to give us this message? We're in a great Bible teaching church that has a history of great Bible teaching pastors in it. Why would I do that? Because I've always held this as my, I guess, my little idiom for life. Good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good is better and your better is best. Have you heard that somewhere before? Okay, I'm sure you have. So in other words, what we want to do is take your level of wisdom here and let's post-toasty it. Make it a little bit better next year than it is this year. So why is it important that we gain this wisdom? Why is it that we should say, out of all the things we would ask God for, the number one most thing we probably should ask him for is going to be wisdom? So what I did is I did just a very quick study through the entire book of Proverbs, and we'll call it the wisdom book of the Bible, although the whole Bible is wise. But taking that wisdom book, the book of Proverbs, I've selected some verses, and I'm going to read through them quickly, but I want you to lean into what I'm saying because these are going to be just a plethora of principles, of benefits, of having wisdom in your life. And what I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to whet your appetite to take you to the next level of what it's going to take to even be wisder next year than this year. So we don't just park on our past wisdom, but we're building towards a future wisdom because our world is really messed up. This next year, with what's going on in America and around the world, is going to be so confusing. At a moment's notice, our world can change, whether it's politics or finances or health or tragedy, and at that very moment, we're going to be called upon to make decisions in our life, whether for our personal life, our family life, our business life, even decisions we make in this church, and we desperately need God's wisdom. So what is the benefit of getting God's wisdom? So listen carefully. In Proverbs chapter 11, 8, chapter 8, verse 11, it says this, Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing else you could ever want is as valuable as wisdom. Now, when I thought about that, I kind of live in a world, and you do too, that we would think gold is precious. Wouldn't you think that? Maybe diamonds are precious. But sometime after today's message, so you don't get distracted from what I'm saying, do a deeper dive and find out that the real true, the uncut, precious, purest rubies actually are worth more than gold and diamond in their own weights. So when you do your study, you're going to find that rubies truly are more precious than any gem that God has created. And yet he says, wisdom, and I hate this word for a moment, trumps even that. Okay, Nothing against our president, but I want you to focus on that wisdom even outdoes rubies in our life. And so that's a reason to get it, because it's so valuable. Here's another one. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do, Proverbs 4, 7. Look of all the things that you can do. Now, why would this be the most important thing you can do? Because when you have wisdom, you make the right choices of how to open a conversation to share the gospel with someone. When you have wisdom, you'll know the right type of relationship to get involved in and perhaps even enter into marriage. You'll have wisdom to how to rear your kids in a very dysfunctional and a getting more dysfunctional world that we have. So getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do as we move forward into this new year. Proverbs 4, 7. Proverbs 9, 12 says this. If you become wise, you'll be the one to benefit. I like that. If you become wise, 
It might not benefit others because they're not going to follow you. They might not take your counsel. They may not want to follow your modeling that you've chosen to do, but you'll be the one who'll benefit. Maybe this life, but I guarantee that when you get wisdom from God, then you will have rewards in heaven. Let me go a little bit further. It says, but if you scorn wisdom, you'll be the one to suffer. Now, I, I wish I was on your back porch or maybe in your living room right now where you could really see my eyes and, and hear my heart. I really don't want you to, to scorn wisdom. I don't. I, 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 don't. I, I don't want you to be distracted from today's message. I want you to lay aside the attitude of, I already know that. I, I, I got that already. Or Yeah, wisdom is important, but I, I got a pot roast in the oven that I hope he doesn't go too long and it'll burn. You know, those kinds of things. And that you will really have a passionate desire for wisdom. Another passage in Proverbs 4 says, acquire wisdom. Another one says, acquire understanding. And that's written in a Hebrew way that's it's like a plea. Get wisdom. Wake up. You need this. This is more important than anything else you'll need in your life. All right. goes on to say here. In Proverbs 24, 14, it talks about how to have a bright future. It says, wisdom is good for the soul. Get wisdom and you'll have a bright future. Who wouldn't want to have a better year next year? Not just a wiser year, but a better year next year than you've had this year. And I'm not saying that you didn't have a good year this year. You might have had a great year, but who would want to have a better one? And wisdom under God's promise says you will. Proverbs 19 verse 8 says this. Those who get wisdom do themselves a favor. Notice the one who really wins in getting the wisdom, it might spill over and be a byproduct for other people. But I'm going to tell you, the one who wins is the one who gets wisdom. So he says, those who get wisdom do themselves a favor, and those who love learning, it says, will succeed. So this is a promise of God. If you're looking at your life and you're saying, how come everything that I touch is, gets broken? How come everything seems to be going wrong in my life? Why is it always where if it rains soup, all I'd have is a fork while everybody else has spoons to eat it? It could be because somewhere along the line, you haven't surrendered to the desire to say, I want God's wisdom and I'm going to get it God's way for God's glory and I'll be successful in God's timing. Well, it goes a little bit further here. It says, wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. Now, I thought about that for a moment. How, how could I make that as an application? I think it would be this way. We live in a very busy world. I don't care how much technology that we have. We know that sometimes technology gets us even further behind because there's just so much to keep up with, and then they want you to upgrade, and then you've got to redo your computer. You know how all that goes. But really what this is saying is if you want to have more time in your day, better days, longer days, more days, it's going to come when you make better decisions. How many of us made wrong decisions because we didn't seek God's word or principles and we just made that decision and now we're living the consequences of it and it has messed up our life? We are now carrying the burden of the consequences of trying to get caught up or watch this. We went down this path without seeking God's wisdom and we found out that it was wrong. But to go down this path, it's almost impossible to turn from that path to go down this other path over here and our days are just so jammed with so much to do. There's a book out talking about how to live within our margins and the set margins. Why don't we do that? Is because we didn't follow the biblical principles of setting margins and the wisdom, so our days are all confounded. And then I looked at the last part of this verse, and it says here, it says, and add years to your life. Now, I can't promise you that you won't get cancer. I can't promise you you won't have a heart attack. I can't promise you that you may not be in an automobile accident or, heaven forbid, a crime that 
brings demise to your life. I, I can't promise that. But I can promise you this, that when you're in the driver's seat and you're following biblical principles, that's wisdom, applying your life from God's perspective, that your chances of living longer are much greater. Let me give you one simple example. When you begin to read the newspaper, whether you do it locally, statewide, or nationally, read how many people in this next year are going to die a horrible, unnecessary death in an automobile accident because they were texting or because they were drinking or for whatever reason they weren't paying attention. Probably because they weren't just simply obeying the laws. And God said, wisdom is to obey the laws that are set before us. So again, we can have a longer life, more days in our life, if we just acquire wisdom. And that's a wonderful benefit of having wisdom in our life. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.